Welcome to the Chicago Bears Podcast. A presentation of ESPN Chicago. Chicago's home for sports. Here's your host, Pat the Designer. Bad on Bears fans, the week is coming to a close, and we are here for another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast. Pat the Designer in the building. John Yurkovich next to me, as always on a Friday. Yurk, how you feeling? Surprise a rotten buck. I tell you, <laughs> two days before Father's Day, I'm thinking about going out and fathering some children. Okay, a little, little late in the game for you? Yeah. I mean, you, you, you got you got three, right? Uh, Al Pacino's had one. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Quinn had one. I mean, at 80, I, well, is it ever too late. Is, is that the route you want to go is, though? Is, is that that the... I, I mean, I got to rewire my, my nether region because <laughs> I'm I've been snipped, but you know, nothing like fathering some children. And uh, they can I'm reverse fathering. that now a little bit, can't they? Yeah, well, they, they can, but I'm not getting <laughs> we, we got a little bit of a truncated show for you today, but still jam-packed still with content. Show. We've got two Chicago Bears per CBS that are in the top 100 players in the NFL. Two bears that are in the top 100 players. Two bears. We'll break that oh, down. Oh, boy. Also, uh, our own Mark Silverman says there's some concern around uh, Chase Claypool and the Chicago Bears. We'll get into that. And then uh, we have head of content, uh, Matt Fishman, in the building. And uh, he says that you're on a certain list in Cleveland that uh, I just I found hilarious because it benefited you and they're upset about it still to this day. So the, the, we'll talk about all that the more. List of, the list of us. <laughs> we'll talk about all that more on today's episode of the Chicago Bears podcast. Let's get into this right away. Yerk, right. we got two bears that make the top 100 list at CBS. Justin Fields coming in at 78. Oh, boy. Tremaine Edmonds coming in at 93 of top 100 players Interesting. in the NFL. When no, you, no DJ Moore. No DJ Moore on this list. He does not make it. When you hear that, does that surprise you? That's kind of where I was well, going with Well, Tremaine this. Edmonds being on it doesn't surprise me. Absolutely. Justin Fields being on it does surprise me. DJ Moore not being on it is also surprising. It's it's weird. It, I I would have thought I right. Think, like I think the Justin Fields thing is simply that we anticipate in the year two as a full time starter that he's going to be a lot better. Mm -hmm. So the, I think that's where the anticipation comes from. But are there sixteen more quarterbacks on that list? Are there sixteen additional quarterbacks that are on there before him? Because if if there are, then okay, then it's a quarterback heavy list, yeah, 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 and that's what you're looking at, and that's fine. I don't have an issue with that. But if there aren't 16 quarterbacks that are in front of them, and they've got them listed as like the tenth or the eighth quarterback, right? Then I think they are prognosticating that he plans on having a great year, and that's where ultimately he'll end up at the end of the year. Almost like they're making a prediction that he's going to be there, so. right? And and they talked about taking his his rushing yards into account, him breaking you know rushing and, records and, and, and different remember, things like that. I've also seen guys be like a a top twenty five player, yeah, and play that way. And I've seen uh, during portions of the season, I've seen a top twenty five guy play like he's in the bottom twenty five of the league. Well, so and, that happens over yes. the course of four and a half months. Remember, it's a long season, and and that's what I keep trying to tell people. Eighteen right? weeks. There there season. there's either one side or the other. It's either Justin Fields is going to be the greatest thing Chicago has ever seen, which he could be, or Justin Fields is going to be the worst quarterback that we've drafted. We need to get rid of him now. And realistically, you know what the worst case scenario is? He's going to be an average quarterback. That's the worst case scenario that you can have. Mm. That Justin Fields is an average quarterback. 
I, I I need to know one way or the other. Either he is the man, yeah, and he's going to be the guy, or he's not the man and he's not the guy. But being average is the worst thing that you could possibly be as a quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, uh, Jimmy G wins a lot of games. He went, yeah. And what's Jimmy G? Does he get a ton of respect around the league? Hey, he does what, not. But I, I would for? say, I would say, so what's he playing for? Well, that's true. Who's a better quarterback, yeah, he, Jimmy G or Justin Fields? Jimmy G at to, to this point. I'd okay. give you Jimmy G there to this go. point. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo is a better quarterback yeah. than is Justin Fields right now. Now you're hoping that transition takes place. Right. I hope Jimmy G has a good year anyway, but that doesn't matter. But you're hoping that transition takes place. Uh, right now, Justin Fields in in the NFC North is the third best quarterback. He's better than Jordan Love. Yes. He's not better than Jared Goff. He's not better than Kirk Cousins. We're hoping at the end of the year he's going to be better than both of those guys. Right. That's why I think that list has got a little bit of a prognostication on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't have a problem if that's what they're thinking about and that's what they're looking at, and they're going to prognosticate and think, you know, tell me what they think. I go, that's fine. I've got no problem with that. Then I hope those two defensive tackles start making that list. Top three players in the yeah. NFL, they have Patrick Mahomes, yep. Josh Allen, Joe Burrow. Joe, you think it's quarterback heavy? No wonder. <laughs> no wonder Justin Fields made the list. Holy cow. That's a year. Three quarterbacks. Those are, boom, your, boom, boom. Those are your three players. Who's You're, the first non-quarterback on the list? The first non-quarterback on the list coming in at number four is Nick Bosa. Miles Garrett, number five. Those are your Pass top five players in the in the NFL. And then, then just uh, Travis Kelsey. Then a tight end. Number six, Justin Jefferson, seven. Then you go to wide receivers. Parsons is eight. Donald, nine. D Trent Lyman, Williams, ten. Offensive tackle. Yeah. So you take a look. When's your first corner? Oof. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, 14. Jalen Ramsey, 14. I don't even think he's the best corner in the league. I think Jalen Ramsey's game has fallen off. Yeah. That's fine. But I don't even think he's the best corner in the league. But you see in the first 14 players, what are your key positions? Quarterback, tackle, left tackle, pass rushing defensive end or a pass rushing linebacker, a guy that can get after the cornerback, right? Corner. You know, that's where they're at. Edmonds, I think Edmonds is a hell of a ball player, right? right? Yeah. But what is he? He's at the bottom. Well, why, but not that he's at the bottom of the top 100 list. The top 100. That doesn't put him at the bottom of the league. No, right? not bottom of the league, that. no, but at the bottom but of yeah, the top 100 list. You see the important yeah, yeah. positions are the ones that are out there. And Kelsey is kind of a unicorn amongst themselves <laughs> so, when it comes to the tight end position because of his ability to get open and find space. He is Some amazing. guys just instinctively can find space. <laughs> and the the chemistry the two of them have, Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey, is it's uncanny. It's he he uncanny. is amazing, man. It's yeah. it's one of those things. I even watching right in the uh, in the playoffs in the Super Bowl last year, I was like, they know like the six seven guy with good hands should be guarded, right? Like, how does he keep getting open in the corner he finds a way. of the end zone? First running back. <laughs> On. First uh, I believe it is 30 with Derrick Henry, if I'm not mistaken. Derrick yeah. Henry coming in at 30. Oh, yeah. They've got him as the best running back in the NFL right now. Yeah, I see Aaron Rodgers, Justin Herbert in there. So yeah. plenty of quarterbacks. Plenty of quarterbacks for there. sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I like it. It's a prognostication. It's not a bad thing. You think and that good, it's just I'm a happy. list? Uh, I, I, I think if Justin Fields is in the top 100 players in the NFL, yeah. that that's what that is a little bit. That's like, okay, we're going to project that he is going to develop and he's going to get there. And for your sake and my sake, we hope so. And the sake of the citizens of Chicago and the Chicago Bears, we are hoping that he is absolutely at the end, I hope they put him in the top fifty. I think he But 
the proof has got to be in the pudding. Here's here's got to happen on the field. It can't happen anywhere else. Here's what I do like to hear that we have those players because I think you could have looked at this list last season. If if you look at this list last season, one Justin Fields isn't on here, and Roquan Smith does make this list. Sure, those are your only two. Right. At least well, now your, your you dilemma feel is you need to have five. Guys yeah. On that list. Yeah. You feel comfortable when you've got five players on the top 100 list. Then you're like, all right, I see Von Miller's on there. You've got the uh, uh, Stephon Diggs is probably on that list. Yes. You know, so you've got players uh, from Buffalo that are on that list. Yeah. You know, that's formidable. You might even have one of their uh, defensive backs on that list, too. So the good teams, the great teams. Micah Hyde's still making the Yeah. List. I mean, our, the, the good, the great teams got five players on this right. list, you know, where you're looking and go, whoa. Well, I'll, I'll say this a lot of Dallas Cowboys on this list. A lot of question marks among the Dallas well, Cowboys. That's so. America's team. It's <laughs> America's team. You know, is Dak on the list? Dak, uh, I do believe Dak All does right. make this list as well as top 100 players. Yep, he's and on then here. The linebackers on that list, we saw that already. CD Lamb is on this list. That's the receiver. They got Pollard on that list. They do not have Pollard. Uh, Stephon Gil or uh, uh, Stephen Gilmore. The, the corner. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah, corners to find Gilmore position. making this. All right. So well, I don't hopefully know. we'll get more. That's what we're asking for. We that's, want more. That's the goal, man. That's the goal. Uh, we'll keep this thing moving along. I thought the top 100 list was interesting. Good to see some bears on there. But uh, there are some bears that have some concerns around Chicago, apparently coming out of minicamp here, uh, as reported by Mark Silverman. There are people in the Bears front office and organization who are concerned that Chase Claypool is not a self-motivated player that there's some concerns around the trade that sent the 32nd pick to Pittsburgh for Chase Claypool. When you hear reports like that, is that just off-season content? Is that just, you know, like, is there a real concern there when he's your number two wide wow. receiver? Maybe, maybe even your number three if Darnell Mooney's your number two. I think the first first alarm bell that goes off is when Mike Tomlin, uh, who's a pretty good judge yes. of individuals, when Mike Tomlin decides, hey, I've got a guy that's been a productive player. I got a guy who in his rookie season was very productive, yeah. and yet I'm willing to move off of him. Yeah. And I'm sure it was coming to a point where they thought they were going to have to pay him. So if we can move him, we can get something for him. Let's go ahead and do it. And the two teams that were interested were the Green Bay Packers and the Chicago Bears. And the Bears ended up giving up that 30-second pick for, right. uh, for, for Chase Claypool. The only guy that can change the opinion – of everybody that they have on him over the course of, uh, you know, this first eight months that he's been with the Chicago Bears is Chase Claypool. The responsibility is Chase Claypool. Now, at some point, somewhere, somehow, Chase Claypool worked his ass off in high school and in college at Notre Dame. He was a really good receiver. To, college, to, yeah. to get drafted in the NFL. At some point, Chase Claypool didn't have a problem working and busting his ass and getting out there and competing. OK, there was a point in time where he was more than happy and more than willing to do that. He's got to find a way to tap into that competitive nature that he's got and and produce that on the field. That's what you need. That's what you're looking for. It's incumbent upon Claypool. Now, the coaches are trying to get that out of him. So whatever happened to him between college and going to Pittsburgh and having that success in his rookie season mm -hmm. and then the way he started to perceive everything. Or, or everybody started to perceive him, somehow there's been a little bit minor disconnect. He's not lost because you got to have the talent to be able to play. Yeah. So he's got that talent. 
But he's got to find it inside. He's got to find it inside to bring that competitive nature out, that want, the, hey, I want to be able to jump higher than you. I want to be able to run faster than you. I want to be able to catch the uncatchable. Right. That's It's in there. It's in there. It's got to find a way to come back out again. So uh, I don't uh, – I think maybe that's a little bit of an alarm, you know, uh, uh, an alarm for him or a little bit of a – Signal bell, tell him that, hey, we need more. Right. We'd like something more out of you. We need a little bit. Uh, we need to see a little bit else, maybe a little bit of an attitude adjustment, maybe a little bit of humility, and to get out here and compete for, for the job because hopefully it's going to be a good job. Hopefully it's going to be a job where you're going to be able to get a lot of receptions, and then you'll be able to cash in. He doesn't cash in if he doesn't have a great year. Well, I think here's my question. You won't make a dime. Here's my question to you, right? Everybody always talks about how Chase Claypool struggled in Pittsburgh. Chase Claypool, his rookie year, when everybody was praising him, 109 targets, brought in 62 passes, 14 yards per reception, nine touchdowns, and then um, ended up, uh, uh, um, you know, being that standout with uh, uh, last season of well, basically Ben, ben Roethlisberger right. having an arm. Right. Season two, Ben Roethlisberger is hurt. He's got Mason Rudolph. He still gets 105 targets, brings in 59 receptions, basically puts up 13 yards less, a lot less touchdowns, but a much worse quarterback standing back there. And uh, he only had two touchdowns that season. And then we're talking about our third year where you brought in Mitch, a rookie quarterback, and Kenny Pickett, and a brand-new number one wide receiver target. By the way, the entire time, he's the number two on this team. So where's this drop-off from Chase Claypool that people continue to bring up? Or he's not the same player he was his rookie year. He didn't have the same touchdowns, but he also didn't have the same quarterback standing back there. Uh, you also got him saying that maybe practices would be better if we played a little bit of music in the background. That's true. Him making personal perception Mike, changes. Mike, Mike Tomlin. Yeah. On how maybe he should go ahead and and, and, and run a practice. Run a practice. Yeah. Where Mike Tomlin responds the way he responded, yeah. which is quite funny and quite hilarious. I think the power structure that we have here at the Pittsburgh Steelers is quite fine, and I'll I'll tell you know I'll, I'll go about the business of making practice. Yeah. I, I, that's probably that's the one we saw. I can't imagine what there was behind the scenes. Right. And at some point, Mike Tomlin's a pretty damn good judge of character. Absolutely. Besides Andy Reid, I think it's Andy Reid, Bill Belichick, and Mike Tomlin. I go that's that that's your 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 three that you know you can look at right now that's in the NFL and say hey, pretty damn good threesome right there. If somebody went one two three in whatever direction you wanted to go, I think they wouldn't be wrong with those three. So if Mike Tomlin is willing to move on from you. If that's not a wake up call, if that's not something telling you, hey, and again, he was going to have to get paid. Yeah. So is he going to be worth it? Is the juice worth the squeeze? They decided no. Yeah. We don't want to pay him. We got Pickens. We got Deontay Johnson. We're fine, and we're going to move on. And if you're going to, if you're going to be one of those guys that ultimately pulls a Stephon Diggs at the end of the day, where you're on the sidelines during the playoff game throwing your hands up in the air yeah, because yeah, yeah. you're frustrated, well, that goes more to the character of an individual and a lack of of. of being a member of a team and knowing that it's not always one thing, it's probably a series of things that leads to people not being successful. And we did see so that last rather year. than rather what well, yeah. Well, so, man, what was that? The Detroit listen, game end of season where he got upset. Nobody sees a guy. Nobody over. sees a guy for two seconds and says, okay, this is what he is. Yes. What do you see is over the course of time, yeah. you start to see uh, some patterns. And then you make kind of an assessment of okay, it's not a hundred percent the way we like it. So 
let's stop this and let's start this and let's come together and let's get things working yeah. out. I I have faith in the fact that Chase Claypool's got talent. He does. I gotta I got faith in the fact that he's a competitor and that competitive spirit will come out and then we'll see the best of Chase Claypool. That's what I'm hoping for. But if people are grumbling and people aren't happy, and now the 32nd pick went to the other team, and boy, you could have used that too. Well, I mean, I, I can understand why people in the front office might be a tad bit disgruntled. And if you're not listening, well, maybe we'll send a little message out there to the uh, masses to let, you know, hey, you need to figure it out. Yeah. Because what's what you're giving us is not good enough. So make it good enough, period. I That's think what, what's interesting is, right, we hear this from, apparently this came from people in the front office, but when we hear from his quarterback, when we hear from his head coach, they're singing his praises. They're saying he's really gotten to, well, you, you know, know, he's changed the way that he was last year. He's getting more okay. into the playbook. He's uh, We like where we where he's at. We just want him to be healthy. First and he dealt with the soft tissue. First, first rule of thumb mm -hmm. that um, we, we get the first lesson, never say anything bad about a teammate. Okay? You always be complimentary. If you can't be complimentary, don't say anything. Right. So those are the first lessons. So you think they're going to rip him apart in front of everybody? Do you think they're going to bring up his negatives in front of everybody? Absolutely not. That goes against the dictum right. of what the NFL what? player dictum. <laughs> D-I-C-T-U-M. Okay, okay. All right, goes cool. against the dictum of what players are taught when they're going to give interviews. A, control the interview yourself. Yeah. That's what, that's what you want. And B, always be complimentary of your teammates, your coaches, and your team, period. That's it. Does it mean you have to sing his praises, though? Because that's how I felt Justin Fields was going about it. Well, I felt like he was, you know, Chase is really – we, we like where Chase is at. We're if, working if well you together. Want somebody, that, you know? If you want somebody um, – if you want somebody to play in a particular pattern, mm -hmm. um, if you compliment them, uh, I think you get a better response out of the individual than if you sit and say, well, it's not quite happening the way we want. Um you know, this needs to happen. That needs to happen. And again, yeah. this comes from coaches and teammates. Yes. Front office people or other people, they can bitch and moan if they want behind the scenes. They can do that if they want. Yeah. I mean, I don't know who's doing the bitching and the moaning or the putting up the question marks, but whoever it is. That's always the interesting they're part. They're right? The unnamed source. Of the air. <laughs> well, they're just grumblings. Yeah. Uh, not even unnamed source, just grumblings. These are some of the grumblings at Hallows Hall. So, I mean, Listen, it's early. If uh, uh, training camp is six weeks, these guys are going to be together. They're going to get mad at each other. They're not going to like each other. Yeah. They're going to fight and practice. It doesn't mean they hate each other. It just means things got heated and they fought. Yeah. That's the way things work. So uh, I, I don't worry about grumblings in the offseason. I worry about performance. I worry about what happens on the field. Um, and then if uh, you can't get a response from a teammate, a desired response from a teammate. You can put up with it for a little, but if that whatever uh, the issue is isn't going to change, and then at some point you got to realize you've got to cut bait. How much does right if Chase Claypool is the issue in the room? How much does that change your confidence in what this offense can turn? Well, into? that's a big speculation. Yeah, that's that's big. Uh, what what might be, what might not be. I think for this team to operate at its best, Chase Claypool's got to be a part of it. Yeah at least as a number three receiver. Um, if, if if for one reason or another they can't find the production out of them, then somebody else is going to have to step up. Yeah. And, yeah, we lost Andre Risen in 96. We got rid of him because he's a malcontent. So they cut him, 
He wouldn't run the routes. He was running his own stuff, didn't care. Uh, Brunel ends up throwing a couple of interceptions because he's not running the routes. You know, your quarterback expects you to be in a certain spot, and you're running a nine route down the field while he's throwing the ball off to your left. So, you know, if, if you got that, and that gave Jimmy Smith an opportunity. Yeah to step up and make plays. And Jimmy Smith did step up and make plays the rest of the year. It allowed Keenan McCardle to catch the ball a little bit more. It allowed Pete Mitchell, the tight end, and Derek Brown, the tight end, to get more balls. It allowed uh, Willie Jackson out of Florida to be able to catch more more balls. So, you know, it had a cause and effect. You got rid of Andre, who is the, the most talented receiver that was in that room. Yeah. We got rid of him. He ended up going to Green Bay. ended up winning a, a Super Bowl. But... That allowed others to step up and make plays and become studs themselves. And between McCardle and, and Jimmy Smith, the two best wide receiving best wide receiving tandem that the Jacksonville Jaguars ever had. Yeah. And both of them were studs. We got some young guys that can step up. It'll Hopefully. be interesting to see what happens with them. Let's finish it out here, Yerk. Cause uh like I said, head of content for Cleveland, Matt Fishman in the building. He's in the building, hopefully. And uh he says that. Every list that comes out in this category, your name is still on that list. Number one, I hope. The list is of players who stole money going to teams in Cleveland. You're, you got, I believe, your biggest NFL contract I'm a man. from the Cleveland Browns. I only selected one year of that, <laughs> by the way. Go ahead. How do you, how do you, how do you feel saying, about being on that list, Yerk? I find the list to be comical. Yeah. Um, I had an issue with one of the fattest pieces of <laughs> crap radio guys um, in the city of Cleveland that's ever known. And, uh, you know, so when you've got – I did his show, uh-huh. and my show is much more entertaining than his yeah. was. His name won't get mentioned. Okay. He knows who he is. <laughs> If he's still alive. Uh, oh, Jesus. All right. I hope his, so. His fat may have killed his heart. Okay. Oh, that's, but that's besides the point. <laughs> right, right, right. If I had to guess, that's the 27th highest paid player on that team. That's not bad. So being the 27th yeah. highest paid player on that team, how could, how could I be anything? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> how could you make that list? It doesn't make any sense. You know what I'm saying? Who stole money? Yeah. How, did, how, how does that happen? I just I, I You're feel the 27th <laughs> highest paid player on the team. Yeah. How exactly does the 27th highest paid player on that team steal the money when I was a starter? What was your What was your year before that? Uh, was that uh, your dominant year before that? No, Where, no. 96, I had a good year. 93, I had a great year. Um, I was just a free agent. Yeah. So when I tell you the the contract wasn't a great contract. <laughs> I mean, for anybody that thinks I got something that was uh, beyond the the scope of anything is beyond the point of being ridiculous. Yeah. But yeah, I just love, I, I thought it was hilarious that you're still making lists out there, by the way, the list well, people, where, where you, all, people, where you get the winning end, no yeah, matter what. Yeah. But listen, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I went there as a free agent. Yeah. Chris Palmer was the head coach out there. He yeah. knew me in Jacksonville. And I went out there and I looked around the team being the 20, again, 27th highest <laughs> player. At one point I looked around our defense. We had a bunch of young kids that yeah. were trying to develop. Spielman got hurt, and so Spielman wasn't going to play. He ended up retiring that year. And I looked around the room, and it was uh, Jamar Miller. Jameer Miller was behind me, came from Arizona. Uh, we had Fuller from Minnesota. Uh, Marquez Pope was behind me. Um, and then I looked around. We had Rabi Abdullah, Wally Rainier, 
Uh, we had another outside linebacker, and I'm looking around. Oh, gee, am I the third best player on this defense? <laughs> was, because that ain't right. Was it at that point where you uh, realized it might never, not go no, well? No, listen, I, I'm never supposed to be the third best player on any defense. Yeah, I'm supposed to be the ninth best player. Yeah. Okay, I know where I fit, and I know how I belong, and yeah. I know where I belong. All right. So I looked around. And I said, "Well, we're gonna have a tough one. This is gonna be a tough year." <laughs> And you knew played, it coming in? We played in Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh washed us. We played in Cleveland. Yeah. Uh, Sunday night or Monday night. I forget which one it was. It was a night game because uh, Drew Carey was out there. And we got dusted. We got <laughs> destroyed. Now we came back to and played Pittsburgh later in the year in Three Rivers. Yeah. And we ended up beating them. Okay. So, you know, we got our, a little bit of our revenge. Oh, revenge. But we only had two victories that year. 0-8 at, at home. 0-8 at home. Right? Uh, we were two and six on the road. We beat the New Orleans Saints with Mike Ditka down there on a, a, a Hail Mary pass to Kevin Johnson out of Syracuse. Um, and then uh, we kicked the field goal to beat Pittsburgh 1917, I believe, uh, in Pittsburgh. You know, the score could be 18 or something. Yeah, you know, it, was, yeah, yeah. it was in that neighborhood. Yeah. So we had two victories that year. We fought our asses off. I tore my hamstring tendon off my pelvis uh, against Carolina. So I was surgically done. You know, I went in and had surgery about two days later, and they reattached my uh, hamstring tendon to my pelvis. But, you know, hey, if they want to put me on any list they want, <laughs> I cash those checks <laughs> every Tuesday. I cashed them. I was on Channel 5 out there with Jim Donovan. You know what I did there? I cashed those checks. <laughs> cashed them every Tuesday. They looked at me at the bank. They said, whoa, you're coming back. I said, you bet your sweet ass I am. <laughs> and then because my career ended on a surgery, yeah. I got injury protection the next year. And guess who paid me the next year, too? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but my time in Cleveland was great. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed it. Uh, I met a lot of different people. You know, you know, it's it's all about the journey most of the time. The fans were fantastic. You don't have the Joakim Noah perspective the, the of it. fans were unbelievable. And, you know, the downtown area was just starting to really kind of pop. The landings kind of were coming back. They were making a comeback. Uh, I went out there in 2015, no, 2016 when the Cubs were winning. Yeah. We enjoyed ourselves. Michael Simon's restaurants were out there. We enjoyed ourselves. We went to Jack's, the casino downtown. That was new. That wasn't there when I was there. So I enjoyed the living hell out of Cleveland. I lived in North Royalton right by Strongsville. A short ride to Berea every day or Berea or however the hell they want to you know, uh, pronounce it. Uh, it was great. Uh, the, our guy was the MBNA guy yeah. that uh, had just uh, you know, kind of retired from MBNA, MBNA, took all that money and bought the Cleveland Browns, and they, they built that stadium down there. Al Lerner's his name. And then his son Randy Lerner took it over, and then I think they sold, uh, they sold out. So. No, it was fantastic. I enjoyed Cleveland, Blue Collar City. I had no problems, no issues. Uh, big Croatian community out there. So uh, I had a good time. I had no problems whatsoever in Cleveland. And if that's how some <laughs> want to refer to me as, and uh, who's our guy that's out there that works? Uh, not Tony Grossi. I have good uh, Mary Kay Cabot, Tony Grossi. I had a tremendous amount of respect for all the people that worked in the press and the media out there, except for one. Except for one big slob of human being that won't <laughs> won't be named won't name them won't be named. <laughs> so anybody can put their name in there if they think they're a big slob of a human being. I won't talk about it. No, but that's fine, and I don't care. That's this week's because I was cashing checks and snapping necks. <laughs>
That's this week's podcast. Matter man. of fact, the five I pull out will be the five I made from the Cleveland Browns to go buy my cup of coffee today. Follow us on everything. Make sure to like the video. Subscribe to the page. It's the only reason I brought it to the pod because I just knew. Killing me. I knew it. Yeah. I knew it. Hey, I still got a long grade out there. And their guys always send me the update for the alumni thing. So oh, okay. Where, yeah, are, yeah. where are we now? Yeah. That kind of thing. So that was kind of That's good. pretty cool. And I, saying I was might have been the third best. Remember, I said might be the third best. There are a lot of guys of my ilk. Yeah on that team. So we're all just trying to find a way to make it, you know, try to stay competitive. A lot of those games were competitive and we found ways to lose. I had Jerry ball on that team. Jerry ball. Couldn't even tie his shoes. <laughs> Jerry ball is so fat. Okay. Somebody had to tie his shoes. Somebody, the, the trainers, or the equipment guy would come and tie his shoes for him. That's how fat he was. Good fat or bad fat, bad fat. Oh. At this point in his career, it was bad fat. But let me tell you, Jerry, <laughs> one of the most dominant guys for about a five year period, when he was Detroit, what, uh, just a, a disruptive force, an absolute disruptive force in there. Uh, we just caught Jerry a little bit late when he was a little long in the tooth. A little too late? Yeah. Jerry or uh, Kenny? Well, a little late. I mean, he was still an okay player. Yeah. But, but he, he wasn't, wasn't what, he, what was. he was in Detroit. What yeah. he was in Detroit was a phenomenal player. Hey. He was disruptive. Yeah. Yeah, a, a force. But we traded him to uh, Minnesota. Minnesota wanted him back. So we traded him back to Minnesota. That's how the cookie crumbles. That's it. Follow us on everything at uh, ESPN Chicago. Bear down, ladies and gentlemen. That's a Friday edition of the pod. Make sure that you guys stay safe out there as always. For your boy, Yurko. It's Pat the Designer back in the building. Peace.